Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, and welcome to 2018, where we are celebrating this good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, simple living adventures, and life hacks... And today, oh, I jumped the got, gun. We've got a lot of things. Wait, what yeah. happened? And today, oh, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> you made it. We've got a lot to talk about. We've had two weeks off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've missed doing this. I feel a little out of practice. I think I mentioned that to you earlier. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll be shaking the cobwebs off for a little while. We'll, we'll about get back into the done. flow. Yeah. We'll, we'll find our groove. How we spent our winter vacations. But Precisely. today... We've got Joan Pettit in from PSU Library Sciences. <laughs> Not necessarily talking about library sciences, but... Yeah. So it's all related. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, Joan, tell us a little, little bit about yourself. So I have uh, been in Portland since 2009. Um, I am a librarian. Um, I have uh, lived a few places across the country, originally from the Northeast, lived in North Carolina for a long time, where I worked in outdoor recreation and um, spent a couple of interesting years um, living in Egypt when I worked at the American University in Cairo, Mm. then came here, spent last year in um, Ethiopia, where Mm -hmm. I was working too. Um, so that's kind of who I am and where I'm from. I am a, I ride my bike a lot to work. That's a big part of, as as a friend of mine says, uh, my personal brand. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Yeah. One thing, one thing you had mentioned to me, uh, some time ago, well, we won't get into like, into it, into it. Um, but you did mention you were just beginning to embrace the bike culture, of yes, Portland, which yes. I find interesting because I just thought you were always a part of it. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have, I first started um, riding a bike for commuting when I was an undergrad in college, so um, a long time ago, and I had friends who mountain biked, and I never really did that, and then um, for several years when I worked at Nanahill Outdoor Center in Western North Carolina, I um, there were a lot of folks there who mountain biked and did recreational road cycling and so I got a I got into road biking a little bit there. Um and then did some more commuting off and on and was commuting here for a long time and I would see things like the Tweed ride and I would see like um big rides go down my street but I never you know what it was I didn't know anybody to go with to those mm. things and I was a little I mean I'm I'm an extrovert but also a little scared to like you can be a shy extrovert. Yeah, Those yeah, two aren't necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and to go exclusive. just hang out with a bunch of strangers on my bike. And actually, I think probably I would have been warmly welcomed, but it was a little intimidating. And then this mm. summer, after I got back from being overseas, I just sort of um just got over it and decided to put myself out there. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're very happy to have you here on the show this well, evening. Um, we we've got to catch up. What what have we been, <laughs> been doing these last two weeks? And then and then we'll get into our our full depth section with sure. Joan. Yes. Um. Well, I haven't been driving bus because no school. What? <laughs> yeah. It's like know, a it's a true school. Christmas had, vacation. It was really nice. And towards the end, a little um, 
I was kind of clawing at the walls. I, I'm glad to be back at work. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was it? So we were talking because we had had coffee recently about yes. the the cold. Was it as bad as you had anticipated for the first day back on the job? Um, no, okay. no, it wasn't. Um, I didn't wear my one piece mm-hmm. uh, coveralls <laughs> then, but I did wear them pretty much every day of of vacation. Every day uh, mm-hmm. that we were off school, um, walking around town, snowman, so, yeah. snowsuit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we man, did get snow, snow on Christmas, too. yes, on the twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, I am in full fledged film by bike mode. Oh yeah, yeah. So I I, I did uh, did a couple of things over the break, but um, much of my free time was kind of just spent hanging around the house with Jane and. Uh, going over my Comcast data limit, looking <laughs> and reaching out to, uh, you know, people that are making great films uh, and, and just sort of touching base for folks with film by bike. Uh, but I, I, I did do a couple of things over the uh, holidays. And um, one of them was that um, we found a really cool pet store that Jane and I are, are both a fan of. So we, we, tend, we, we started taking a few visits up there because um, we have a cat named Nicholas who's oh, right. yes. uh, a very amazing, amazing, uh, I, I, I won't say animal at all. Nick is part of our family. He's, <laughs> he's the best cat I've ever known. Um, and we finally found a cat store that um, is just like right on the same page with us in terms of um, okay. setting, setting him up with good stuff to eat and enjoy. So we, we really did like Christmas more for Nick. Nicholas the cat than we did for ourselves. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but uh, it was pretty cool. It's up. It's up on Alberta Street. Um, we'll, we can put it in the show notes there. I won't. I won't plug like too hard or anything. Um, but was very happy to see that within walking distance. So okay. that was kind of like you know work on stuff and then take a little walk, go back to work there. Um, and um, unfortunately, uh, I guess on the on the cat spectrum, my father has. Uh, two cats now well one cat now i should say uh but uh but one of our family cats passed away and so the reason the reason i was bringing up the store there was um he he's sort of from that that school of uh which which i totally like get as well of like out in the country you know animals are animals and you know you do what you can exactly precisely and like i i understand that and i have like actually a lot of that still in me um but what was touching was um him reaching out for something I had talked about that was at the store and he had originally been like, yeah, no, like, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Like Cleo's ah. on her way out. Um, but then re- him reaching out and saying, Hey, um, that stuff that you sent for Cleo, like, could you send a little bit more? And it's like a meat paste mix basically. But I was like, Oh, my dad, he's, he's uh, starting to, he's, he's starting he's getting to, soft. he's getting soft <laughs> in, his, in his cat, uh, of, uh, of cat of cats, I guess there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, That's it cool. it was uh it was a good a good Christmas. Um we also yeah, got snow on Christmas and I got some Tintin books for for that, which was nice cuz I'm a collector of of Tintin. Of Tintin. Yeah, really? it's it's my my favorite uh drawn series of, of pretty much anything. I I grew up on it. We were talking a bit before the show. My mom is an elementary school librarian and so by nature um i'm inclined towards like ya or young adult type um Uh literature and so tintin's just one that's kind of like kept through me kept with me through the ages um and jane working at pals was uh very very kind and got some some really cool ones (laughs) to check out i i can't read french um i'm not sure i'm going to 
learn anytime soon, <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you uh, that the pictures and, and sort of um, the, the lettering and just the, the art style for those um, original copies is, is like really neat. That's so, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> I spent most of every day baking cookies up until mm. uh, like the 24th. It's kind nice. of a tradition of ours rather than getting presents for everyone in our family because mm-hmm. I've kind of got a big family. Uh, what kind of cookies? All kinds. Okay. Ginger snaps, sugar cookies. Uh, we dipped Oreos into like chocolate, and we did like Nutty Buddies, and <laughs> just we went nuts. Yum. There wasn't a day. There wasn't a day that the oven wasn't on for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because it also like helps heat the house. So yes, you're, you're exactly. getting like dual dual use out of this great exactly. technology. Were you able to pace your own eating of the cookies? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> you don't just bake cookies. You know, no, you you're don't. tasting the batter. You're checking out the frosting. You're like putting your finger in the red sprinkles and mm. licking it. So... Uh, speaking of fingers too, are you a, are you a hand mixer or are you a, a utensil or tool mixer? Depends. Okay. If it's a bread dough, uh, which cookies are not, but well, sugar cookies might count. I I do need mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. by hand. Um, but most machine okay. or or at least a tool of some kind. Gotcha. See, I've always felt like some of the like the the part that always brings me the most joy in cooking cookies is. Like really getting in there and just mixing it around with your well, hands. Well, so ginger provided snaps, they're very well washed. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, the I'll ginger clarify. snaps we Clean did, hands. we had to we had to roll by hand, and mm. then you roll them in sugar. So I guess, yeah, I guess it was mostly by hand. Yum. So yeah, um, so we did that, and that brings me to what I'm embarking on now in this new adventure in my life, and that is. I'm going to try to do the whole whole 30 thing mm-hmm. that that people do from time to time. Um being a vegetarian, I I'm not going to do like the technically correct whole 30. Hmm. But what is like, the whole 30? So I couldn't really give you the best explanation of it are you familiar with this yeah i mean i know a lot of people are doing it yeah yeah it's it's It's, kind of yeah january is like the most common thing yeah you like basically i mean right you start with just a few foods and you kind of add them back right Right. after 30 after a 30 day reset yeah okay um so the main thing is i will not have any sweetener of any kind okay sugar or any kind of like agave syrup or or even um, high fructose corn syrup is no that is right out <laughs> sweet and low uh, sorry no, yeah no seriously no no um, no synthetic sugars at all either uh, no grains okay including rice and corn mm-hmm. yeah um, and what are called false grains which are like quinoa mm. um, and there was another one oh amaranth yep. Mm. That yeah. was a big staple of your diet, wasn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> amaranth is really yummy. Honestly, honestly, I didn't know I wanted amaranth until, until, until I was told I it. couldn't <laughs> have it. And I was like, now I really want to know what it is. Um, well, then, you just got to wait a month. And no dairy. Except mm-hmm. if, you're doing, if you're doing vegetarian Whole30, apparently you can have full fat yogurt oh. because <laughs> it's fermented. And it's like in its most natural state. Full fat, but still pasteurized. Still, well, 
I guess it would have to be yeah. if you're buying it commercially. Okay. Yep, but yep. it's got, you know, the bacteria to help digest it. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you do like this reset on your body and then you slowly, yeah, add things back in to kind of like help your body um, readjust. Are there rules to how you would add something back in or do you sort of like... There probably is. I okay. am... I, <laughs> I was wondering if there's I'm like the a... I'm the worst at this. Um, <laughs> Isn't there a book you're I, supposed to buy? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I'm doing this... There's an app for not that. Not just because my girlfriend is doing this, but I'm doing this also because my girlfriend well, is doing this. Well, it's and so, supportive and also yeah, better. Exactly. It's a lot easier if you're both doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're sort of each other's uh, support. Mm-hmm. I would say she's probably more mine than I am of her. But this is like her third or fourth Ooh. time doing this, Ooh. you know. I'm, I'm, I'm she's like your res- mentor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just but she, she's liked do. it. Like, she's had success with it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she loves it. If if she could, she'd probably do whole thirty for the rest of her life. Whole you know? whole life. Thirty <laughs> asterisk. Whole three hundred sixty-five. Right. Right. <laughs> whole thirty years. I wouldn't hmm. let her do that though. So, I, to what do you eat? So, man, <laughs> like, 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 like so almonds, it's only, right? it's only day two, and I'm all like, I packed myself this huge dinner of. Uh, oh, and you can have legumes if you're doing like the vegetarian. Mm. And again, not technically whole thirty, so. Any listeners out there who are doing the real thing, sorry, they're I just, sold out. They're like screaming. I don't eat meat, so I their... need some sort of protein. You're, but, yeah, you're not pure whole thirty. Right, right. I'm, I'm like half whole, whole half ass thirty, <laughs> half ass thirty. That, there it is. <laughs> there, it, a, there's no, there's no gatekeeping with the whole whole thirty dial. It's half ass thirty. Like whole fifteen. Wait, every every time every time you break a rule, we should keep a count, and then we should take the fraction of that and just go off of the last fraction. So, like, what are we right now? We're we're like we're like a a good twenty nine and a quarter of thirty right now. So I made a lentil loaf, and you're supposed to use rice. I didn't use rice. I use riced broccoli. <laughs> Which is it's just broccoli that you like, you know, cut into really, really <laughs> tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that worked kind of but anyways, I ate like all my lunch and and the dinner that I packed by like noon today. Yum. It was, gone. <laughs> it was everything was gone. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm drinking this uh it's coconut water. Thank you, by the way. You are welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little worried about this. Can you eat? Can you eat bananas? I can. You can have any kind of fruit or vegetable or whatever. Well, okay. Let me clarify. <laughs> I can't go. eat bananas personally because they don't agree with me. Ah, uh, as Guthrie puts his bananas back into his candy. He just carried a bunch of bananas. Like four bananas. He just pulled out of his, out of his Ortley bag. I, I can't remember if I said this on stream before. Like People might think I'm lying, but I, I legit love bananas. <laughs> they're, I think they're you've just mentioned the it before, but I don't think I really realized to what extent you just carry bananas with you. It's not uncommon like, that I have bananas. Do you always just have a whole bunch of them in um, your bag? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's great. somewhat more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just resupplied yesterday, so of course I've I've got four with me, but that, that number will soon become three. How, how bad does a banana have to be before you're like, nah, this, I'm, I can't eat this? It, it can get super bad. Like anytime, um, well, 
I, I wouldn't eat it. Like sometimes you, you forget, right? And there's plenty of things in your pannier. And the nice thing about Ortlieb's <laughs> yes, is they're worse. waterproof. So it's not going <laughs> to yeah. go like it's not going to go onto the ground, but you start to get this odorous, um, <laughs> beautiful smell. And you're like, yeah, I guess what I forgot last week. Oh, yeah. Um, so I won't eat them. If they're in that state, but um, typically, like if they get um, mashed around too much, I'll just freeze them and then throw them in like a smoothie or something. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. That's, so, that's the way to do that's, it. That's what bananas. See, again, bananas. You know, they're a great some, fruit. Some people <laughs> prefer those greener bananas. Mm-hmm. I used to. Did you? Yes. I can yeah. do yes. like I'll, I'll eat green bananas. I wouldn't say it's my preference, but I definitely <laughs> would eat them. It was always like the, the, the browner bananas were just too soft, too much. Mm-hmm. I needed like some sort of. I don't know. Texture. Crunch, 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 crunchy banana. banana. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's why I can't eat bananas anymore. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to mention that happened over break was um, my girlfriend and I were going for a walk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, let me rewind. One thing that happened over break was Clever Cycles got robbed. Mm. During the business hours, no less. That's terrible. Yeah. Damn. The video is, is really, the full-length video, which only a few people actually saw, and I didn't even get to see the full-length, but it's really interesting in that this woman who came in and, and stole this bike, like, you could tell she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so she had been there for a little while, and over time, like, scooted one of their Brompton folding bikes over towards the door and it just happened to also be in a carrying case kind of to demonstrate like this Brompton fits in this case. Mm -hmm. And she took case and bike out the door during business hours, you know, and she was going for a test ride. Just really sly about it. Of of the, of the carrying case. And did they, and so did they, did they see, I mean, see this happen or? Well, so it was, it was one of those days where, you know, it's, Right before Christmas, there was enough. Yeah, there was enough business going on that um, Mm. the people in the storefront at the time were like, "Wasn't there a bike here? And wasn't there someone looking over here at one point?" That's such a shitty feeling. Has this happened to you? I mean, we've we've had stuff stolen from us. Oh yeah, Um, (laughs) and I'm I'm referring to the bike shop um, that I work for. But yeah, it. I I've had that realization a few times. Um, it's it's fun. None of the percents, zero percent, zero percent of the time, is it fun to realize that mm-hmm. somebody you were interacting with just stole from you? I'll I'll just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no, I, I I know. I I feel like I know how you feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I didn't feel any way about it. Oh, but... Okay. <laughs> I feel you, <laughs> clever cycles. Like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah. So that happened on twenty third. I want to say mm-hmm. Christmas Day. But there's a catch. Yes, Christmas Day. Fast forward to Christmas Day, and a tradition that Anna and I uh, kind of have is we go out to a movie that day. Although it was really crowded, it may not continue this tradition. <laughs> well, I, does it depend on the movie? Because this one in particular, I could see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This like, was the the new Star Wars. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta hit the avant garde like <laughs> cinema in yeah, a place that I don't know the name of. Tickets and you need to yeah. Yeah. There's some planning. Anna was really into like you gotta get the tickets ahead of time and I'm like, come on, there's not gonna be that many people. Did there. you really say that to her? <laughs> <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you apologized. <laughs> oh, oh I ate I ate tons of crow that day. Don't worry. I ate tons of crow. Aaron Aaron's Aaron's going whole three sixty five just for that statement. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was crowded. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so it's a tradition of ours, and since we live walking distance to a major metroplex, we decided to walk there. Mm-hmm. We put on our shoe chains and our <laughs> our overalls, our big coveralls, and we were walking towards Lloyd Center, uh, you know, the shopping center. And as we're walking, Anna's like, oh, I should call my mom because I haven't talked to her yet. So that's cool. We're walking. She's talking to her mom. And her mom, being hip like she is, already knew about the, the robbery and was like, hey, tell me what happened. And as she's telling her mom this story, as Anna's telling her mom this story, we both see a woman kind of matching the same description <gasps> or what I saw in the video, mm-hmm. um, pushing a Brompton. <gasps> and so I I was like walking a little bit ahead and I turned back to her and we made eye contact like, yep, I saw it too. <clears throat> and we got a little bit closer and she like, says to me that's the bike and she <gasps> she's still on the phone with her mom telling this story about the about <laughs> the brompton being stolen just <laughs> says to her mom i gotta call you back we see the bike um this woman uh had the bike with her and she just set it down like just leaned it down on this on this snowbank and was kind of sitting hanging out um kind of across the street from the Mac station there at Lloyd Center. Mm-hmm. The Holiday Park. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. And so we kind of nonchalantly uh, post ourselves across the street from her. And I tell Anna, call the cops. You know, go. I'll keep an eye out. Go do what you got to do. Um, She called the cops while she's doing that. Um, I just sort of kept an eye out and I like had my, I was like trying to be like all, all cool about it. I had my phone out, like pretending I was talking to somebody. I'm super casual (laughs) over here. I'm just standing on a corner talking. Hey, where are you at? I'm at the Lloyd Center Max station. I'm waiting for you, man. Could you imagine how hard it was to get stolen bike back? bikes back prior to the invention of cell phones you'd, you'd have to stand there and make up some other excuse oh yeah this is a good point well e- even just calling yeah calling someone to say like we found that stolen bike you're like hey can you wait there with this brompton i'm gonna go find a well, payphone and you pretend a, to you, call somebody you carried a quarter you know so you could yeah, use the payphone, true. Right? <laughs> use a payphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i was just saying like yeah that's like or it's such a or good a technique. dime back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I lived in the place where your toll boots were. <laughs> so um, she's she called the cops. The cops are like, okay, we'll send someone over. And while we're waiting for officer whoever to to come over, um, this woman uh, meets up with a friend, and they're like talking, and they start walking away. <laughs> from the spot that they were posted up, but incidentally walking towards us, not intentionally walking towards us, but just happened to be in our direction. Hmm. And Anna's like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. What do we do? Uh, just say the cops are on their way. We're going <laughs> to take this bike. And, oh. and, you know, so they walked right by us and Anna, like just total wonder woman, all of a sudden grabs the bike. <gasps> and like, stares down this woman and this woman isn't that much older than Anna if if even that old and just says like hey the cops are on their way we know this is a stolen bike 
you can just leave it with us. Oh my god, that's fantastic! <laughs> Badass. The combination of that and like just what we were like all, you know, looking like in mm-hmm. our in our big giant snowsuits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just threw her off. She just the the woman was just kind of like, oh really. And walked away. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it obviously and, wasn't and hers. And, and the guy, like she walked yeah, she away, wasn't, and she the wasn't guy committed that, to that any she was narrative. with was also like really, was also like really like confused by the whole situation. He just was like, all right, and mm. walked and followed her along. I love <laughs> that Anna just did it too. She was oh, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. She that's fantastic. I don't know if I could have done what she did. <laughs> um, yeah, she just grabbed the bike and was like, "You can leave that with us." And the funny thing is, is like. Everything on the bike was exactly like it was. Like she didn't try to modify it mm-hmm. in any way. Which what was what was the like time period between the theft? Two days. Okay, okay. So it wasn't. I mean, but it wasn't like the same day. No, no. and I don't think she was looking to sell it. I think eventually she was gonna. She was probably she wanted to hang on to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. gonna say for um, bicycles in Portland. If anyone's ever had a bike stolen, if anyone's ever had a bike stolen in Portland in particular. You yes. know how rare it is that your yeah. bike, like you might get your bike back, but it's kind of like coming back it's from- It's going to be in a different form sometimes. It's going to yeah. be a different, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- this in particular is quite rare. Like even three days, you would be surprised what happens to I've a bicycle. Never, yeah. I've had two, I think two, maybe more, but I think I've had two bikes stolen. I've never, I didn't get either back though. Mm-hmm. One in Portland and one long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, bike that, theft sucks. That's amazing, though. I think Anna's my favorite person that I've never met, <laughs> just based on that story. Did yeah, you did so, you ride it back to Clever Cycles? Well, so oh. we were on our way to the theater. <laughs> and we were like, well, I guess like, we could carry what it we in. With this? <laughs> it's a folding bike, so we folded it up. Yeah, we carried it into the theater with us. That's You're like an unintentional like, Brompton ad. Mentioned too. Like, well, what are you going to say if they ask anything? And I'm like, I'll, I'll just tell them the story, I guess. You're a you know, mm-hmm. Anna's a hero. What do you mean? Do you know who this lady is? <laughs> you let her bring this bike. And, you know, of course, the only seats left were like right up front, which is great because then we had plenty <laughs> of room to set the bike. The bike. <laughs> we were still like a couple rows back, but we left the bike up front. And like every now and then, one of us would like. Get Just up in our seat mm-hmm. and make sure have, <laughs> make sure the lady had okay. come into the theater to steal the bike again. Because well, how how ironic would that be, right? Yeah, yeah. we stole back this bike that was stolen. Oh, and then well, we still I bought these tickets, and Lord knows I'm not gonna like waste this money after being told to, to buy these in advance. It'd be like like walking onto a set of a Charlie Chaplin film, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but all's well that ends well. We, um, it was, yeah, the 26th, the next day we took it back over to Clever. Nice. Did you name the bike? Does it, does it have a new, like, does it have a new, like, story of, of, uh, its, its passage through this earth? Yeah, I don't know. Like, can they charge more for it? Yeah, I was going to say, like, battle hardened, (laughs) 2017, Brompton. I want. I feel like it just deserves a, search, a new head badge or something. For like, yeah, I want to search for like I don't know legendary things or people 
<laughs> or animals that were once lost but mm. then like returned mm. to its owner like that like one miracle Phoenix. dog that the like Phoenix. crossed the country <laughs> it's, it's the homeward its bound bike yeah <laughs> oh that doesn't sound that that hard but it's the yeah. homeward bound there bike. We go. okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> or something <laughs> Well, we've brought Joan here tonight. <laughs> We're discussing all sorts of things, aren't we? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> to talk about even more things. Yeah. Um, but before we move into our next segment, we'd like to give a generous thank you to our beverage sponsors for the night. It yeah. has been a long two weeks since words thus have been uttered on air. But as always, we're appreciative to... The Beermongers on Southeast Division in 12. And uh, courtesy... Of the beer mongers tonight, uh, we're drinking an excellent, uh, Joan and I are sharing an Elliot IPA from our friends over at Yay! Ex Novo. Yes, I love this beer named after my neighborhood. Thank you so much. Ex Novo is Portland's first nonprofit yeah. uh, brewery. I I find that that concept so interesting and so Portland I, <laughs> that they, they were like, well, we want to do something good. What do we know how to do? We know how to brew beer. All mm-hmm. right. And their their lo- their slogan is uh, greater good beer for the greater good, greater beer, great beer for the greater good. One uh, of those three. Um, the the term ex novo, so I, I believe in Latin, means of nothing or from nothing. Oh. Uh, so from nothing comes good charity and yeah. fantastic beer. Excellent beer. Yes. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And um, what are you drinking? I know it's it's <laughs> not it's not technically courtesy of the beer mongers, but it, we've got the whole like the whole thirty that plays yeah. that plays effect yeah. here. So I've got this coconut water with aloe vera juice, and I I'm counting aloe vera juice as is acceptable. It's not a okay. it's not a sugar. That's the twenty nine and three quarter there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back down and then <laughs> you Do know, have to like when, add a, add a quarter actually, day it, for each. Yeah. Anna, Anna, a week from now, Anna's gonna listen to this, and like I'm gonna come home and like randomly get something thrown at me. You had aloe juice. <laughs> so so before you do, Anna. I am in charge of the drink uh, acquiring. I saw this. Yeah, it was Guthrie. It was. It was. It was me. <laughs> you, you did fine. I'm counting it. Um, yeah, alcohol is also verboten mm. on Whole Thirty, which doesn't affect do me the whole too 30. much. Um, and kom- kombucha, while it still has a little bit of alcohol, I guess is. But dry kombucha is okay. Dry kombucha because it doesn't have any added sweetener after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. How is your beverage, though? Is it tasty? Oh, yeah. This is great. This, this is just the sugars I need right now. <laughs> just that, the, that day and a half was really rough, Aaron. Just the I'm pretending it's not sugar drink that I need. <laughs> I mean, it's there's no added sugar. It's just aloe juice. In fact, oh, look at that. Zero it's, grams of sugar. I'm pretty sure it's oh, also no, healing uh, any internal, <laughs> internal <laughs> burns or bruises right, or right. <laughs> lacerations you have. <laughs> So, Joan, you mentioned um, that you work uh, with Portland State University, yes. uh, but you're also a resident of the neighborhood that we're recording yes. in right now. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you landed in the Elliott neighborhood uh, and here in Portland. Oh, okay. So, um, I was, I'm a librarian, as I mentioned, and I was um, working overseas uh, at the American University in Cairo um, as a librarian and um, felt like it was time to come back to. Um, the U.S. and um, so I have a um, I have two sons whom I adopted. They're originally from Ethiopia, and um, so beca- when I moved to Portland, um, I was specifically interested in moving into 
I really wanted to move into a neighborhood where, um, where they would look like other people in the neighborhood. I didn't want them to be, you know, I didn't want them to be the only black kids in the neighborhood basically. Um, excuse me. So, um, yeah. So when I, um, moved here, I did a lot of research and I mean, I know more now, but basically I picked the right neighborhood, right? Like this is, this neighborhood is historic Albina for a whole host of actually racist reasons, really. Mm. This, I mean, there's, you know, a long legacy of, yeah. of racism in, in the entire state and also in Portland. Um, but there, uh, for a long time, um, this was the neighborhood where, I mean, it was basically difficult if you were African-American to live anywhere else in Portland. Right. Um, but what that means is that, you know, moving here as a, as a multiracial family, um, this was a good place for my family to to move and live. Um, yeah. So I moved into, um, well, Boise right next door or Boise as some folks say. And then, um, about a year later bought a house in Elliott. That was a super serious <laughs> so no, that, like, agenda up here. Well, let's talk about, let's, let's talk, talk about, about the exclusion, rac- exclusion laws. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In the it's never, industry. yeah. It's, it's never, important to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never far from my mind, but, um, yeah, so that's how I ended up in this neighborhood. And also, I mean, it's such a fantastic neighborhood. I mean, it's it's interesting because I'm definitely a gentrifier, but I also moved into the neighborhood because of... Different reasons than most folks. Would, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my kids, um, my older son's in high school now, but my younger son still attends um, his our, our neighborhood elementary school, which is actually, you know, majority African-American. And I that's really... That's really important to me that he is able to spend his day around, um, you know, the teachers there have a lot of, at his school, have a lot of cultural competency. They, um, they, he's able to spend his day around other children of color. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's a few steps away maybe from where I thought this conversation <laughs> no, would go. Right. But You're those great. are some um, of the reasons I ended up here. Yeah. How long have you been in Portland for? Yeah, since 2009. I moved okay. here in 2009. And gotcha. I spent last year out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What yeah. drove, not drove you, but what what made you decide to, to uh, go abroad? Like, oh, yeah. So um, I am so lucky and fortunate that... Um, as a member of the faculty at Portland State, I'm eligible for sabbatical. And so I was actually able to take a partially paid sabbatical last year mm-hmm. and went overseas to my kids' birth country, basically. Um, although, you know, as adolescents, maybe I was more excited about it than they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was a lot more excited about it than they were. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so um, spent the year and I had the opportunity through uh, through a program through the State Department to basically teach, live and teach in, in Ethiopia for mm-hmm. the year, which was just, I mean, it was, I mean, certainly the, the pinnacle and highlight of my professional career and an incredibly rewarding experience personally mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. What, so, what yeah. part of Ethiopia? Uh, so I was in, that's not a question I hear very often, which part of Ethiopia, Joan? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, so, so getting at that cultural sensitivity, yeah, yeah. I mean, like there are some people who still think Africa is a country yeah, um, right, and I just right, wanted right, to clarify. Right, right. Yeah. So, right. So Ethiopia is in East Africa and the part of Ethiopia I was in, so the capital is Addis Ababa and I was in a, a part of the country in the Southwestern, um, region called Jimma. And what's interesting about Jimma is that, um, so I don't know that we really know where coffee started, but Jimma has as much of a claim 
as anywhere. Ethiopia yes, was the, the origin, origin of the birthplace of yes. coffee, right? And mm. so there's the story there. The story is that the there was a sh- yes, or was you, it sheep? There was a shepherd. There was a shepherd boy named Caldi, and um, and he was watching over his flock of goats. And that part yes. seems super believable because you see that in Ethiopia all the time still today, right? A boy watching over the flock of goats. Um, and, and apparently the goats were particularly energetic when hanging out around a, when eating off of a bush. And mm. so he went over and started <laughs> nibbling and it's oh, like, hey, wow. this is pretty good. So in Ethiopia anyway, that is the origin story of, of coffee. And this region where I was living is, um, is as much of a claim as... Uh, soy bread mm-hmm. um, yeah. as anywhere as, as sort of the source of coffee. And I um, I didn't really start drinking coffee until I was Oh, really? There. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm an adult person who's mostly <laughs> drank that's, tea. That's yeah. pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so, But now I drink coffee But sometimes. now you're addicted <laughs> like the rest of us. Uh-huh. No, yeah, no. I won't. Oh. No, I still drink. I, I, I drink coffee on occasion now, but not. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably drink it more often soon. Do you, um, it, so just from a coffee perspective, because Portland is also now as kind of like a yeah, coffee mecca. Right. Um, did that change kind of your interpretation of the coffee scene here as, as you traveled back home? Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know what's really interesting there is that um, when they make coffee, so you, the way you buy coffee beans there is you buy green beans and then you roast, roast them. them. Yeah, as part of, I mean, they call it a coffee ceremony, but it's what it's how people prepare coffee on a daily basis. So okay. they they roast them over charcoal in a pan, and um, then they mash them up with a mortar and pestle, and then they, um, yeah, and 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 then they and they drink them in those little what are those those little cups, and then they um, but they put like three teaspoons of sugar in, mm. so oh. they're they're drinking really sweet, like super sweet, yeah, super okay. sweet coffee, and um, yeah. So if you just go to basically if you're, you know, if you're at work or just living your life when you have coffee that's how you that's how they make coffee mm-hmm. like from from basically the green beans mm-hmm. that's part of the process of making coffee so it's pretty different from here okay yeah as i understand it so yeah you, you, <laughs> you go to heart the coffee shop and and you go like you guys don't know coffee yeah, no, not so. <laughs> for a while I was saying, well, I only drink coffee in Ethiopia, which mm-hmm. actually I wasn't saying that. That's just, that's, that's just, you, that's you'll so. fit in, right? You'll fit in just yeah, fine. Yeah. In I'm Portland. sorry. I'm sorry. I only, I, I only, it's that was too, perfect. I yeah, love it. It's on, only, it has to be super low. It, I have to, I only drink coffee within 10 miles of the origin of coffee. <laughs> I, I only drink coffee that I know where the it. beans were green and then roasted. Yes. yes. And Did you harvest also. these beans? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the thing i mean a lot, a lot of um i mean depending on the the level of, of consideration towards sourcing like you'll you'll see kind of a spectrum here in portland because mm-hmm. some people will travel mm-hmm. um to meet with the farmers meet with the growers mm-hmm. of their beans and then you know based on a various amount of factors will maintain a relationship or or sort of um figure out a source and then not worry about it too much past that point so i mean it's an important point to bring mm-hmm. up about mm-hmm. sort of sourcing as mm-hmm. as coffee goes yeah you also um, felt or, or feel very strongly. Should we get which one? Should we do first? Because we, yeah. we have like two I topics. Um, we're we're bringing in this new year, <laughs> like just with the gloves. Do you, do you need some yeah, opinions? No. Bring Joan on. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, but but so so to 
to illustrate, Joan has um, some excellent sheets in front I of her. You did some research. Did. No, I love it. It's yeah, amazing. This is great. Um, and the, it, and it's it's just a it's just such a um, pleasure to have like this material in front of us that we're <laughs> we're really like ah let's talk about this topic. Um, so we we wanted to cover sort of generally two things today, which were well, the. I'm I'm actually I'm gonna put this one on there because oh you want to talk about that one first? Okay. I think okay. While this is more controversial in the cityscape, mm-hmm. I think we can we can we really can really get the this. controversy and the fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There. And so, We're gonna get like a thousand emails, maybe. <laughs> yes, I hope. Or or zero. <laughs> or, yeah. Either way, that's <laughs> fine. That's, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> Depends on what they say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, not really. So you also. Um, or as a resident of the Elliott neighborhood, mm-hmm. wanted to talk about the I-5 corridor <clears throat> expansion. Yeah. yeah. So Part- this sort of a warning for, for listeners who are outside of the Portland area. This is a very Portlandy or Portland-specific topic. However, However I, think, I think a lot of the abstracts for, from this conversation could be applied just about anywhere. Uh, yeah, well, I think when we're talking about... Highways and freeways and um, how cities are planned and the way we move around. I mean, that's that's every city. That's every place in this yeah. in this country. So, yeah. I mean, I it's it's a it's a local issue, but it's a. I, I mean, I think one of the things that's so interesting about this is, um, you know, in Portland, we like to think that we're leaders on these issues, and I think this project is actually an example of of how, how we're not. How yeah. we're not. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, <laughs> there is a plan. Has it been, has it, how far has it gotten? Yeah. So I wish, um, little shout out here to Aaron Brown. I wish you were, you yeah. were here to chat about and this. One of these days I'm getting him. Yeah. I'm yeah. Here to talk yeah. About He's a good guy. So, um, yeah. So let me, let me say that I am th- this information I know about as a, as a citizen, as a resident, as somebody who's interested in my city, not as a, you know, traffic engineer mm-hmm. or planner or anything like that. Um, But yeah, so um, there is a section of Interstate 5 that goes right through, right through this neighborhood, right through sort of the heart of, I don't know, what would you call that? East, East Portland? I mean, or the east side, inner, Mm -hmm. inner, the central part of Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there's a lot of bottlenecks there because there's a couple roads that come together. And so the Oregon Department of Transportation has proposed a project um, to expand the highway. And um, yeah, there's a lot of um, complications. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why people think they this won't work. But the biggest issue, right, is that no highway expansion project in this country has ever, ever solved congestion yeah. mm-hmm. because of this whole thing called induced demand. And again, this is something that I know about as a not as an expert, but basically, mm-hmm. if 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 you if you grow if you grow a road, more people drive on it. Well, it's it's you know this to use the colloquialism. If you build it, they will come. That's what I was thinking, and yeah. that doesn't necessarily have to be only for car infrastructure. However, in this particular right. case, it is yeah. for car infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make it easier for people to drive, people will continue right. to drive. Yeah. Um, and with the proposed I five expansion, not only is it the induced demand, <clears throat> but also just the large cost um, 
$450 million yes. is what yes, the state that, wants to spend on this project. That could be used for other projects um, that would effectively help congestion. Mm-hmm. And they're calling it a safety project. And I think this is part of what's been so frustrating to people. Um, my understanding from Aaron, who's <laughs> 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 my, who I checked in with today. Um, yeah. So there, this is actually not a particularly, uh, traffic is often slow there, mm-hmm. which yeah. means it's not and, and just super give, dangerous. Just to give people a sense of scale, how, what mileage, how, how wide, how long is this mm. corridor? Oh, I mean, it's a, so we're talking like less, just over it's a mile, a, right? It's, yeah, it's a small right section very, that they're Yeah, okay. it's very small relatively. I was going to say it's less than three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I, th- I think the average cost of construction, just of, of new construction for Oregon Highway, and I'm absolutely prepared to be wrong on this because the status from a few years ago was, um, I think, $56 million per mile. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of folks who say that 450 is actually probably... That's a conservative yeah, estimate. Yeah, that, that's mm. a conservative Holy estimate. Shit. But, you know, the, I mean, right. I mean... If you're, if you're Oregon Department of Transportation, is, is, I mean, you look at things and you sort of want to build highways, right? And so, and, and expand highways. So, yeah. And, and the other, so one of the-, the But thing, there's reasons why you feel passionate about this. Yeah. And it has a lot. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me, let me list them. So, okay. So, I mean, stepping back again to what I was talking about, um, this neighborhood that we're in, the Elliott neighborhood- um, there was an incredibly vibrant African-American community. And again, I'm a, I'm a, folks don't know this. I'm a white woman. So this is not my history or my community or culture, but, um, but there was, um, a very vibrant African-American community in Portland. And then through a couple of different projects, and this happened across the country. This is mm-hmm. not a Portland yeah. phenomenon. No, no. Um, you know, as part of the, um, highway, the federal highway project, they basically tore through cities and they, and they dug ditches right through the, often of African-American neighborhoods yeah. and they declared urban blight mm-hmm. and in neighborhoods Robert, Robert that were, Moses's yeah, plan. Yeah. yeah. And they, and they tore up neighborhoods. They displaced, they took down houses, they displaced people forcibly. Um, and so, so they, they destroyed neighborhoods to build these interstates that went right through right through the middle of cities. And, um, uh, yeah, so, so that's one of the reasons I, um, and then the other thing is that I five right now goes right by Harriet Tubman's school, which is currently closed. Oh, yes. This is a new development. Yeah. Well, maybe well, not a new development, but at least as far as like right. going public, this is, this is, yeah. Kind of new. So this is a whole complicated thing that has to do with the legacy of racism in Portland public schools, which is, you know, related to, but distinct from the city of Portland racism. Right. Um, yeah. So throw me an issue. I will connect it back to racism <laughs> or sexism somehow. Um, yeah. So, um, interstate five is, is right next to Harriet Tubman school and Harriet Tubman school was opened a few decades ago as a way to open up a middle school for, um, I mean, not just for the African American, but for but the, predominantly, for, yeah, for, for the children in this, in this neighborhood, neighborhood. Yeah. who were at who were, that point yeah. bussing out to go to different schools, um, and so then it closed. And right now, there's talks of reopening Harriet Tubman. And my, 
Um, so my younger son, so it looks and like at it one will point, open. I was under the understanding that it was supposed to be open this year. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so then it was delayed for whatever. When reason. I went overseas, I thought that when we came back, so my my younger son is in seventh grade right now, and I thought we would be coming back and he would be in Tubman. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, could you go to a school with a better name? I don't think so. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Jefferson. And- yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beyond slaves. Um, so, so Tubman school is right next to I-5 and the latest development. And so, so there's been a lot of talk about the air pollution from I-5 being, and there's been, there've been a lot of giant wall built. Yes. I think it's funny that we built a wall to, uh, to alleviate an air pollution problem or exposure Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman school. Right. Um, I don't know, just walls in general kind of say, you know, yeah. don't go here. But the thing is, is, and this gets, oh boy, this really gets into the weeds, but there yeah. are a lot of families who have not wanted their kids to go to Tubman. And sometimes these things tend to break out along racial lines. Yeah. Um, and so there have been a lot of families, uh, particularly white families, not all. <laughs> there have been a lot of um, white parents who have been very concerned about pollution. And then there are other parents who um, then there are a lot of black families who are saying, you know, we really need a middle school for our kids. There's there's only one mm-hmm. set of schools in Portland or one neighborhood in Portland that doesn't have a middle school right now. And, mm-hmm. and it's this neighborhood. And it's wow. and it's yeah, it's and and not it's not not coincidentally the neighborhood right. that serves a, a high number of, you know, poor children of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so opening up Harriet Tubman as a middle school is a great way to to get those kids, um, uh, you know, just by numbers, put more middle school kids together. You have more classes, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and the, so there's been, a, but there's been arguments on both sides. There's too much pollution. Well, why are we expanding this highway? And mm-hmm. and so and, and so in regards to a safety project, this is going to affect the Harriet Tubman Elementary. Yeah, well, it's going to affect the entire neighborhood. And I think one of the reasons why the city has bought on and even some local advocacy groups like the Street Trust, right, signed on to it. I mean, that's been a bit disappointing. That's been, yeah, a bit controversial because they're talking about doing all these surface street projects that ostensibly would improve um, pedestrian and cycling infrastructure. I'm not convinced because one of the things that would happen is that they'd take Flint out Street. Flint Street, yeah. right? Yeah, which exactly. you and I both, right? Ride we, our bikes uh, down we would every have day. to find a different way to do to. what we do now. And based, and my understanding is that the new way we would go would actually, there'd be more grade. We'd be like, yeah, I mean, we can ride our bikes up a little bit of a hill, but if you mm-hmm. want more people to ride, Flint Street exactly. is such you a good You've got to make it easier make for it people. Make it easier. Yep. And Flint Going Street is low stress. Demand, it's if, flat. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And this goes this goes also for bike infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you want to commit city of Portland, if you want to commit to your like climate change goals, if you want to commit right. to reducing traffic right. and congestion, right. build better bike infrastructure, build better transit infrastructure. Yes. Make yes. it easier for people to use transportation that doesn't pollute. Right. Well, and if you step back and say, okay, well, what what are the problems that we're trying to solve? What 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 can we do? That? Right. You know, what what are what do we actually want to do? Right. So we want less pollution. Right. So even if you have less congestion but more cars, well, you still have lots of pollution, right? So right now, forty percent of Portland's carbon emissions come from transportation. So 
if you have more cars on the road, if they're even if they're moving faster, you still have more yeah. pollution. Right. It's difficult for that number to go down. That, right, that piece right. of the pie is only right. going to get larger. But there is there is a solution, or there's a p- possible solution, which is congestion pricing. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, this is not my area of expertise, but this is something that I think folks would really like to see see us try, like what, mm-hmm. try congestion pricing, which is basically setting up a toll and and you. You make some, you figure out a way in this to make some allowances for people who are poor families who need to drive, mm-hmm, right? right? So saying that, like, but basically, if you make it a little more expensive, if you set up tolls and make it a little more expensive to drive during the busiest times of day, my understanding is a lot of times that that solves your congestion problem. Yeah. It mm-hmm. that it gets it done right there. Yeah. And so why don't we why don't we try that first? Because mm-hmm. what if it worked? Wouldn't that be amazing? And then we could be and like, be the, like first city yes, to let's like make do this it. work. Yes, you know? let's and, embrace our Portlandness and be leaders and mm-hmm. trying to find a better way yeah. to do all this. Yeah, I had a uh, economist uh, in college who's like complete. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say fantasy, but it, it hasn't come to existence. Like we don't have congestion pricing, but one of the things that I really appreciated about his perspective um, was how in depth like from an economist standpoint or or as somebody who's not an economist like this is a really cool solution and i think that it's just uh sort of gaslighted in in such a way that that a lot of people don't consider it but Mm -hmm. the the data behind it the um incentive behind it and and the way that congestion pricing can interact with the needs and wants of us as like impulsive humans Mm -hmm. is it's pretty neat how how that works and and what is um a little bit interesting is you're right we haven't had too many chances to try this and so right um congestion pricing is is uh is very interesting one to look into and it would be um i mean what's the worst case scenario the roads are still busy Mm -hmm. right well that's what we've got now (laughs) right Right. so let's try this because it does seem to have worked in some other places the roads are still busy and we've generated a bit more Mm -hmm. revenue i mean i think the thing is is that people think that traffic can get better and traffic isn't going to get better Tra- no. Like if, if you're in a car, traffic's not going to get better, yeah. right? Because the problem is that we've built our cities around this polluting, really inefficient, like, I don't know. How, how do we describe cars? Like, we're we're an alternative box, transportation podcast. It, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and I know people, so this connects back to, and, and sometimes when you talk about these issues, I think there are folks who do drive, especially, and I will say, like, I know talking to especially some other women who often have, who are moms, who often have responsibility for transporting kids. I know sometimes yeah. men often do, but, um, you know, that often falls on on moms and they feel really like, well, I can't bike with my kid everywhere. And that's true, right? Like, sure. you cannot bike your kid. Well, I mean, some people embrace that, yeah. right? And like, and I great- will say, like, the car isn't the car or the automobile or whatever isn't the epitome of evil right in mm. this case there are uses for it right. but the I the car's think, a tool yeah it's a, like like anything it's a tool and i think it's a tool that we have applied to solve problems that we could find a better tool that's right to to solve it with yeah yeah i agree i agree i mean i you know um if we have neighborhoods where you can I walk to a grocery store um, and it's easier to walk than to drive. Like there's not really easy parking. Then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden walking or hopping on your bike becomes a lot more attractive. Maybe you're not going to do that, you know, for 
all the time, but mm-hmm. if you just need a couple things, if you just need to get a bunch of bananas, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I often do, <laughs> or your you know six pack of beer and coconut water, maybe your bike will be just fine. <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> the, so. be- the beer mongers is easy to bike to. Yes, exactly, yes, exactly. Don't drive there. Ride your bike, um, or walk, or take the bus. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of solutions that don't involve widening this road, which has these ripple effects of further damaging a neighborhood and the people in the neighborhood who have already kind of borne the brunt of yeah. a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and. It, and it, I recall back to the the Williams Street project yeah. mm-hmm. and how much pushback that got for a long time. Um, and talking with Jonathan Mouse yep. like years ago about this, you know, one thing it came back to was it's less about the bike and bike infrastructure mm-hmm. as it is like this is just one more thing that the majority of white people in power in the city have rammed down the throats of the majority people who are poor and people of color, you know, and said like, you know, we're doing it like this. This is for your own good. Mm -hmm. Trust us. Bicycle as the tool of gentrification. And and William Street, you know, it's great. It's great to bike up to, but like just does the ends justify the means? Mm. And I can see where like this becomes a rallying point. Um, Yeah. And I think it's interesting when we think about that, project in particular, there's a, a couple intersections that have um, traffic lights now and people in the community, the primarily African-American people in the community had been begging for traffic lights at a Forever. few intersections yes. for decades. Mm. And then, yes. you know, New Seasons and a couple other places come in, which, you know, I shop at New Seasons. I mean, I, I mean, I, this is, that's my local grocery store, so it's not a criticism of them, but some of the businesses came in and then they put some money towards that. But it's like, why does it have to gentrify before there's a traffic right. light? Mm-hmm. Like this, yeah. the, the intersection where they put a light in it, it it that was one of those you know and the intersections people who really needed was, the I, traffic light those decades ago probably got priced out of that neighborhood yes, anyway yeah. yes yeah yes. and those are those are some deep questions yeah absolutely it's super it's really complicated and not something we're probably going to solve yeah. mm-hmm. for example I tonight would, <laughs> i would love to hear from our listeners other examples of this uh in other cities mm-hmm. i'm sure mm-hmm. like you said portland can't be alone in this no no, no. um so, yeah, I would like to hear, like, what other stories there are mm-hmm. out there about this. Yeah, absolutely. And and for people looking for more info, we mentioned Aaron Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people are curious to learn more sort of about the current project um, and, you know, from there, as, as willing, get into as much of the history as they would like to, um, where can people learn more about yeah, this? Yeah, so, oh, I feel like I should look up the website. It's no <laughs> no. F- Freeway, no more freeway, no more freeway. PDX, that, yeah. is that what it is? We'll, we'll also post We're a link like in the free- show notes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm we'll typing on my computer that has no yeah, internet. Yeah, yeah. And also, so, you know, yeah. you can go straight to the horse's mouth. Like ODOT has the stats up on their mm. up on their site. Now, yeah. Yeah, it is I mean, ODOT, and you know they come with a certain goal in mind. But but the other part, right? So the safety part that we talked about is that, that stretch is actually not a particularly dangerous stretch of highways. We no. had fifty fatalities in Portland car traffic deaths 
in 2017. How and, many of them were on the freeway? Well, not on that. No, those none were, on, were on that stretch. None, yeah. none were on yeah. that stretch. Yeah. So if 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 what you really nicely done, um, if you really want to improve safety, let's let's look at East Portland. Let's look at. Yeah. There's a lot that we should do in this city to protect our most vulnerable users, and it is those folks are not getting hurt on that stretch of I five. Hmm. We have a heat map in our house of all the um, accidents and injuries. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but someone had made an actual like poster of this heat map uh, throughout the city. And I at one point wanted to have it like by the door or at least on the wall where the door was. And uh, we decided is maybe not the best place for it to like see right as you're going out the door but you would know we still have it like posted pre- pretty uh, predominantly in our in our place mm-hmm. um, just kind of as a reminder um that these these streets aren't necessarily as safe as we like them to be but also right. like you know i don't know like there's so much room for improvement mm-hmm. yeah and i and it and, and in some ways, I mean, sometimes, I mean, this, the city is such a great city to bike in, but sometimes it's a terrible city to bike in. And it's ridiculous to me, <laughs> yeah. for example, like to go from uh, Portland State to the Steel Bridge. Why is there not a really great, even a connector. bike lane yeah. or connector? Yeah. It's... Y- you can go south on Broadway, I hear. Yeah. But you can't go north. <laughs> right. And I don't understand. Why do we, why can you go to Portland State, but you can't leave? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm comfortable riding in traffic, but a lot of people aren't. And I'm, I'm zipping down, right. you know, Market Street, and like in cars are... driving really fast, like in the middle of the lane. And yeah. I'm okay with that. But that people, we shouldn't have to do that to ride no, your bike home. We shouldn't home. build infrastructure for the people who are going to be comfortable Right, right. In traffic. as vehicular cyclists, yeah. yeah. And this also draws on an article which we'll be covering, or not an article, I guess, but a, a statement or so by a visiting city planner <laughs> oh, yes. and or engineer yes. Um, yes. later in the show. <laughs> yeah. So the the next, should we, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like wondering, because we're, we're at a good amount of, we've, we've oh, been really good at talking. Yeah, yeah we're, we're chatting right. tonight. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, me. should we talk about our second item or I mean, should I we really, save it? I really want Such to talk about this. Such a issue. <laughs> we could have you back on. I have no problem with this. Part two, part two. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's preface it and uh, let's see how we go. Let's let's just get into it. Yeah. And, right. you know, we I split this into two episodes, then I split this into two episodes. I was going to like flip a virtual coin, but let's just go into it. <laughs> so and the- yes, I have an app to flip a coin on my phone. <laughs> oh, really? But yeah. Mm. I went, Wine, so uh like I'm is res- it a bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> I got tons of those you, now. You just flipped sixteen thousand dollars up in the air. Or or fourteen thousand dollars. Or check tomorrow. Now it's two. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh yeah. Don't get me started on Bitcoin. <laughs> those those uh It is something to to tie it a little bit in. Let's let's kind of this will be a rough segue here, but to tie it into like infrastructure and building for for people who um, may not necessarily be comfortable biking in traffic, one of the things I would love to see is better lighting mm-hmm. throughout, not just throughout the city, but also throughout like bike infrastructure. You know, 
man, Springwater Trail for the longest time was like a no-go for mm. a lot of people at night. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, if it, even if it was like a exceptionally cloudy day. Um, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyways, lighting. Yeah. Lighting. Yeah. So, I mean, right. One of the things that... We hear a lot as I mean, I'm, I'm sure you all have heard this is like, you know, you're about to hop on your bike and, and especially somebody who, who doesn't ride a bike regularly is like, be careful or be safe. And, <laughs> be seen. Um, be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, yeah, lots of conversations about hive is gear and how bright does your stuff have to be and we want to be reflective and we want to be bright but one of the the you know especially i mean not in the summer usually right if you're if you're riding around during usually the day a non -issue but, in but, the summer. but um i mean as soon as you know you're in, in winter time one of the big things is it's important to be not just to see but to be seen right, right. so you want to be visible especially if you're riding in a bike lane right next to cars that are going 30 40 50 miles an hour um and What's really interesting to me about the questions of how we light our bikes is that it's not, we don't, it doesn't seem to me, based on some of the research I did digging around, we don't really know a lot. Like we don't, there's not a lot of research. What is the best way yeah. to be safe and to be seen on your bike? And so you see, you can buy, you can go to any bike shop and buy um, front and rear lights, white mm -hmm. lights for your front and red lights for your back that are incredibly bright and have all sorts of different settings and and flashes but but i mean there's some Are any of them articles. better than than another yes and there's some research on this but you know with cars there is the way that headlights are they're a certain brightness they're right. aimed a certain way right. not just for the car for the driver to see the person driving the car to see but also for the safety of other cars and for bikes i don't I, we don't really have like, well, this is what you should do. There, um, certainly there isn't a team of engineers as much as like, you know, any, any it, motor company. I mean, is have. there? So yeah. It's I want those engineers to do this sure. research. There Where is, are they? There is kind of that going on. It's just not going on in the States. Uh, oh. So there is a German standard referred to as STVZO. And that is a standard set out, I believe, by the German government in terms of what... Uh, maximum lumens and also a specific light pattern mm -hmm. that bike lights mm -hmm. can um, go up to. And so in certain cases, actually a fair amount of lights, which we use very commonly within the U.S., were you to take a bike trip to Germany, you could actually get a ticket for using right. those lights on the road. And so the STVZO standard is designed to be, uh, the best way I can say it is like it's, it's designed to be like your vehicle light or your car light, but applied to cycling mm -hmm. and so um i don't know if it is countrywide but i want to say it is um you're required to have by law a dynamo within the wheel oh, so that's why they're yes oh, yeah. interesting. yep and so it's required it's, yep it's a, oh, it's interesting. a you can get a ticket you can you can Ooh. lose your actual car license i believe if you violate it Ooh. enough times um but and then you'd have to ride your bike that's interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah it's kind of circular logic but i guess it is there um so so the stvzo standard it's very interesting if you'd like to if anybody's curious to see a light that that meets the standard a very popular one here among portland is people um or, or a light called the supernova and it's the e3 so that basically um if you look at it as an oncoming cyclist mm -hmm. it is designed to have a cutoff at a certain level oh yeah and so as you're you're cycling on you get very good illumination of the ground you know 10 15 20 feet in front of you uh but as long as you aren't over that uh plane you're not blinding people who are oncoming but you're still safe to ride but that's that pdw light uh it's not right. the pdw it oh. i don't know what actually I, I would love it if it 
anybody's light I have, makes I it I feel like US. I should grab my I well I don't know yeah, yeah. PDW well, has E3 right yeah so Supernova E3 is a, as a dynamo light manufacturer Edelux. oh it's a dynamo light no Edelex okay. is uh, a, a sh- Schmidt and Miller oh, is yes. uh, the Sun Edelux. Uh, Edelux um, so I don't know about the lumens, but PDW is designing a bike right now, or mm-hmm. bike, excuse me, a light, a light right now that that is made specifically so it doesn't um, blind others. Yeah, okay. so that's that, amazing. So that They're the recognizing a need is, in the market yes, well the before is, it's being yeah, met. Yeah, <laughs> as force it, or it, it it shines down, not mm-hmm. at others. Um, mm-hmm. Right, because I think the thing is is. We all want, we want other people to, so when we're choosing lights for our bikes, we're thinking, well, I want cars. I want people in cars, right? To see me. Mm -hmm. Um, Drivers. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to be seen. I want to be seen. But, um, but, you know, we're also riding our bikes amongst each other. And I have seen blinking lights that are so bright that mm-hmm. they bl- that they're yeah. blinding mm-hmm. to other folks on bikes and so if you're endangering somebody else but even some i mean so it's not good to endanger other people but even more than that do we actually know that that is helping you be mm-hmm. better seen and because i did a little research <laughs> <this is so laughs> my right so um it's not just a matter of personal comfort of other people, but there is some research that shows that actually that here, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this article because again, this is out of my area of expertise, but Mm -hmm. basically um, flashing lights um, may draw attention to you, but they make it hard for other road users to judge your speed and distance. Mm -hmm. So, and and what I am reading from is this is an article called "The Case Against Bright as the Sun Flashing Lights" by Josh Cohen from 2015. From um, what's this from? Next City is that what this is? Um, oh, sorry, sorry. You're good, you're trying good. to cite my sources here. Um, so this is from Next City, but um, basically, and he cites some other research showing that um, basically um, they'll they can tell that a a, a bike is there but they can't actually see where it is so it doesn't necessarily they don't they can't tell how your speed or your or how far away you are Mm. um so in the case of like say you're crossing traffic they may think you are further away than what you really are right so that they can tell some things around but because of and then there's this temporary blindness that happens to other road users i think i feel like probably particularly other cyclists who are Mm. right behind you but your pupils Um, pupils are dilated right so if you get it like a flash yeah your pupils will then did you happen to run across any research about the creation and implementation of Oregon's safe passing law for emergency vehicles? No, I did not, Guthrie. Uh, so, <laughs> um, How it, does this apply? This applies in this that uh, there's a phenomenon with uh, emergency responders where there's an increased risk of being rear-ended. And so mm. one of the um, possible effects of that is the strobe effect. And that's, right. that's similar to when you're riding a bicycle is that people will actually track or, or be drawn to a light as opposed oh. to avoid it. And you know, so it's called um, target fixation. Yeah. It, yes. Thank you. I was the word I could not remember. Yeah, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. talking about it. Um, yeah. Target fixation or, 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 or just um, and, and within that regard, I, I, I too would need to cite you an article um but i remember like back when i was really like starting to learn about this phenomenon and read about it that by passing safe passing or or by by going through safe passing laws states um dr- dramatically reduced the number of emergency responders who were hurt by being rear-ended by other drivers hmm. through um making it a legal requirement to get into the opposite or the far lane from that responder there's some um research that's been done actually looking at uh i think like 
uh, snow plows or some sort of snow machines and, and their flashing lights and things like that. Um, so, um, but the other issue too, that I think we should bring up is that, um, flashing bike lights are really bad for folks. There are folks who have photosensitive epilepsy yes. mm-hmm. and there are people who will actually have seizures from these lights. Yep. So, I mean, so we've got a case where it's not clear that it makes you safer, right? Like, in fact, it may make you less safe. There's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And you may very well be causing uh, basically physical harm, not just through blinding, but through seizures mm-hmm, sure. of other folks on bikes. So, and that could endanger not just them, but a whole host of people. Sure. Um, so I would just really like for folks to use the solid light setting at night. That that would be, wouldn't that be nice? And, <laughs> and maybe if you have a blinky light, like what if it was your so- lower lumen light Mm -hmm. like especially Mm -hmm. your rear light what if that was the blinky light but your brighter light was solid and i know that burns through batteries a little faster but what if we were all safer and also our eyes weren't quite so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and back in the back in the like non-rechargeable battery days the argument that i often heard was well i get better battery life Mm -hmm. off of running it because Mm -hmm. you do you do consume less battery by cycling that led Mm -hmm. um and these days with the advent of blinky you get more yeah in the off position it consumes less power when it's blinking it uses less than when it's in solid that's interesting i would think just the act of like continually Mm -hmm. having to switch on and off would cause it to uh, turn more i i too would have thought that and if you look at like most cycling light packages they'll have like the ratings for for battery life on them um and uh leds are just so efficient that as as we transition mainly from versions of incandescent um that they really don't lose much energy at all by turning off it becomes negligible yep basically and so so with that like the the argument would be that oh well i'm i'm getting you know twice or three times my battery life that means i don't have to get triple a's every week Mm -hmm. from the safe or from the um you know hardware store or such uh but with the the only ones that carry triple a's anymore (laughs) something like that (laughs) but yeah i mean with with the advent of rechargeable lights like i I, uh full disclosure i'm a i'm a solid light uh advocate but that main uh point i guess in my mind is uh, is also removed sure for so since we're laying all of our cards on the table <laughs> for the longest time i was a blinky light mm. man and mm. names is you know, mike's my... uses blinky lights <laughs> <laughs> things just became so much clearer for you is that it? <laughs> uh, it, and my my main contention uh, like the article said was I always thought it would get people's attention mm-hmm. um, right. quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, well, than, it does. Than, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if I was like on a a mixed use or, or a bike only trail, I would be solid mm-hmm. light at night because, you know, it's free, who, free whose you attention to see. do I need to, do I need to get? And plus usually those don't have a whole lot of lighting around anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the epilepsy thing and, and the fact that, um, the the tracking also mm-hmm. was what drove the point home. Well, and I got a I got a uh, Dino Hub too, which is just That's solid fantastic. regardless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that drove the point home. Um, for a long time, I had the blinky and the solid, um, and it really became a, an issue of economy mm-hmm. for me. Like, why but have two lights? When double up is double the fun. <laughs> <laughs> is it though? I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I've no, only run one. Not. <laughs> no, no. It, it was just a matter of like, you know, do I really need another light on this thing when when one is doing 
its mm. job just fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think um, you know, my uh, I mean, my understanding of it is is um the like a blinking front headlight, like a really bl- bright blinking front headlight is good during the daytime like on an overcast mm-hmm. day particularly, uh-huh. right? So where you're not blinding people, mm-hmm. but uh- where like you know, in in the Pacific Northwest when we have overcast days, that's a really good way to call attention to yourself mm-hmm. because it's not bright enough that it's actually going to blind people, but it, it mm-hmm. can help them see yeah. you. Yeah, and there are so even, what I'm talking about is at nighttime. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. As, and and there are some manufacturers which actually have it advertised like day mode, and so yes, that, that right, day they mode do. instead of flashing, it will kind of ebb and flow between mm-hmm. brighter and lower outputs, mm-hmm. uh, and that too can be sort of like the nice uh, in between for mm-hmm. for safety in the in the daytime. I think the thing is is that we don't. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's, I mean, when you buy those lights, it's not like they're like, well, let us discuss best practices for nighttime <laughs> safety and illumination, right? right. Like, uh. you just are, I mean, if it, if it, if it didn't have, if it has these blinky modes, it must be good, right? I mean, or, or you think, oh, well, I want people to see me, but mm-hmm. I, we uh, need, we need more evidence. We need research. Yep. We need, we need more information. I must be the weird person at the bike shop who tells everybody every like all that I know about lights. <laughs> um, if if you work at a bike shop, if you feel like it, it's fun to talk to people about these things. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, yeah. obviously, what is thirty minutes in? <laughs> that's Let a good us point. discuss yeah. blinking lights. Yeah, uh, interesting. Like, I I think that's the first thing I I mention to people is like, it's especially if they get a rechargeable. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. hey, run it on solid. Right, right, um, right, right. Yeah, I just um. So basically, what I do in the winter time is I just I just am in the habit of taking my lights off my. I mean, I I park it inside so I don't have to mm-hmm. take the, my lights off for you know safety reason, but. I just plug them in every day, mm-hmm. or oh, I yeah. try to remember to. Sure. I mean, it's it'd be nicer to have a Dynamo Hub, but mm-hmm. until until that day, <laughs> until that day, that blissful day, um, you know, we can recharge our would, lights. Would you name your Dynamo Hub? Would I name my Dynamo? I'll take suggestions for names. <laughs> I, if people want to suggest names for my bike, that's fine too, or bikes, that's fine as well. So if you have strong, mild, or even neutral opinions on the bike light blinky debate, please write us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, it would actually be really cool to hear. It would be yes. really interesting. Yeah. Yes. So, Joan, thank you so much for joining <laughs> well, us. Thank you. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have yes. you. And, and thanks for sharing your, your knowledge and experience with us. Um, would you like to stick around for our news and headlines? I would be delighted to. Thank Wonderful. you. Absolutely. And feel free to chime in. Too. Oh, I will. Excellent. <laughs> Try to keep me from doing that. <laughs> I won't. I won't at all. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> well, first up is our calendar. Don't, don't ever use that. On the second Friday of every month, we've got the Boston Bike Party. And on the second Friday of every month in Indianapolis, we have the Indianapolis Bike Party. Oh, yeah. And if you cannot make it to Boston nor Indianapolis, that's okay. If you happen to be in Portland, come join the Corviday Bike Club ride every second Sunday. Every second Sunday. Of every month. Have you ridden with the Corviday Bike Club yet? I don't, I don't even know what that is. Oh. I'm sorry. We didn't I mean, even, see, we didn't I even mean, talk we about your embracing yeah, of the, of Portland, the bike Portland bike culture. Clearly, you know? I have. You're just gonna have to uh, come there, back There's on. more that needs to come into my <laughs> embrace. <laughs> yeah, I could talk about that for ages. I mean, that's where I met you, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, back to the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, February third. This came to us from Maria Schur. 
she is organizing a ride called Caddyshack. It's a oh, Bill Murray tribute ride. That Have you seen fantastic. this? Fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't even yeah, it made yeah, it made me want to go. Yes. A twenty five mile socially paced jaunt around local golf courses. The ride includes a stop for lunch and beer at one golf club. She even mentions that you'll be able to see your bike so you don't necessarily need to lock it. I'm not going to say don't bring your lock if you don't have it. <laughs> uh, but you'll be in good company. But yes. Meet at the I-205 bike path between Marine Drive and Airport Way. Invite friends. Wear Argyle. Drink beer. Hmm. On February 24th, we have the Menagerie in Motion Kinetic Derby in Gainesville, Florida. Yes, we talked about this a lot last year, and it's coming up again this year, and we're going to continue talking about it. Um, And speaking of Menagerie in Motion, sort of along those same lines, if you listened to last episode, we talked about, well, we, Brock, talked about (laughs) the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Ride in Lowell, Massachusetts. And that's on September 22nd mm-hmm. of next year. Uh, he talked with the organizers of that. Um, and it's just, yeah. Have you listened to that one yet? I haven't. It yeah. um, is one that's actually, it's, really cool. it's queued up. I, I figured out how to work iTunes finally. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm turning through big them. Day. <laughs> I'm such a desktop-based listener. I just go to the website. I like listening to shows that I'm not. Um, the host of mm. <laughs> so, so this was a this was a really great episode. It was our Christmas Sprock, it was our Christmas treat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also upcoming, um, we have near and dear to my heart the filmed by bike on tour dates. Uh, so I'm just gonna run through them real quick. But if you're curious, you oh, can holy also. Holy shit! I just saw where <laughs> you're at South by Southwest. <gasps> Ooh. Oh yeah. That's so legit now, so man. Fancy. Something. I'm actually I... fancy. Uh, I'm not in charge of the touring program, so <laughs> I I um am very so you excited. Don't necessarily know these, <laughs> but do you get I, to go? Don't don't pump me for details, but I will say <laughs> check the calendar at filmedbybike.org. If you somehow can score comp tickets to South by Southwest, and like you or any of your better friends can't make it, <laughs> oh. <laughs> please I'll, consider me. <laughs> if I score comp tickets, you will be the first person I ask, Ah, oh, thanks. Absolutely. How would Jane feel about that? Well, Jane Jane also, Jane's assumed. Jane is oh, like, okay, okay. I come think on. they should, you know. Jane is absolutely assumed. Uh, All right. Jane, you're, that, Jane you're, you're assumed. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so coming up in Boise, Idaho on February 8th, um, in Denmark on March 3rd, in Austin, Texas, in around March, in Copenhagen on the on March 10th, Albany, New York, July 22nd, and Seattle, Washington, TBD, Vancouver, Washington, TBD, Arcata, California, November 2018, and Bendigo, Australia, October of You're 2018. All over the place. Yeah, it's wonderful. Loving it. And uh, thanks, thanks for all the support. Uh, and that was... I didn't think it was that loud. Oh no, I was. That was me stopping myself from making you edit another piece of our uh, track out. (laughs) Now for. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? Around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as you can into the morning light.
from bikeportland.org, Colville Anderson, quote, Portland is completely overrated as a bike city. Ooh, harsh. Ouch. <laughs> them, them headlines, they, they bite. Um, so one of the world's, and this is from Bike Portland, one of the world's most well-known bicycling and urban, urban planning consultants in the world world had harsh words for portland after a visit over the holidays quote don't buy the hype development has plateaued go to minnesota or excuse me go to minneapolis montreal san francisco places that are at least trying yeah ouch (laughs) i found his comments a little harsh but not necessarily false. Yeah, it's like you want to be like, no, don't beat up my city. Except, yeah, actually, no one you're can pick totally, on my brother, but except me. Except you're totally right. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting too because um, and, and perhaps we should put this in the next episode for our headlines. Is there was there was a, a article in comparison to this perspective? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so I feel that that deserves a place to oh yeah sure within sure. within the conversation. Sure. And um, I don't want to vilify this guy too much because I love Copenhagen Eyes. I oh. love that blog. I, I like to read it. And, and yeah, absolutely. I, I find I, this guy to be a very intelligent person. Um, you know, it's like I said, like, I think I don't think he said anything that was untrue. Mm-hmm. Although I think we've all felt this way at some point in time. Right. Using the infrastructure that we is here. We're very frustrated with our city as long as. We are talking about <laughs> right, <it. laughs> right, and there is there is that like you right. know you've been here for a couple of weeks or or whatever visiting like, but, did, you, did you really earn the right to say yeah, this? Yeah, um, but I think the 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 you know the, he was here at Christmas time, mm-hmm. right? And he was During here like our worst weather. Yeah, snow. yeah, yeah, because I think it was um the was I think the day after Christmas I rode. I, I rode my bike to Powell's and the bike lanes weren't mm-hmm. It was a very strange day in Portland, right? Um, to ride your bike. Like it's most, a magical day. Uh, <laughs> it was lovely. It was lovely. But yet, yeah, but, but a lot of us who would normally be on our bikes were taking people who I know who are on their bikes all the time, regardless of whether we're, yeah. we're on the bus. Well, no, that it was day. really icy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wore shoe chains. So, so well, I, you weren't joking when you no, said no, shoe I wasn't chains. Joking. I thought that was a. I, <laughs> I thought that was a joke. <laughs> I, I bought them last year. They paid existed. for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Yeah, this is just like this, basically this giant rubber band that stretches across the oh. sole of your shoe with chains underneath them. Like, like literally metal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I don't know. I you should check them out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think too this this was so um, we don't have it as part of the quote so this is a bit from memory here but he he had, he had also like I think made it somewhat of a fair point and he was saying um, within within the longer version that like look at Oslo in, look at all in these the, cities that are the, like that are winter like all the time hilly snowy hilly, icy yeah. and just total like general shite for biking in the winter time look at how co- their commute rate compares and, to Portland in the winter is what I think what he was yeah, getting at and there I think this is where Portland has a really and and bike people of portland too um for as much as i i also want to like be like you know like you can't say this about my city we can also look at this as an opportunity as a rallying point rather Mm -hmm. than like just firing back and saying like no we do this no we do that no no, i I totally view it as a rally you can't tell me this we should say like oh hey you're right. Oslo does do it better than us because they clear their bike pass. Yeah, that you know? was a big problem. I I think it was the day after Christmas and I, I went to Powell's and um, I had to stop on 
the Broadway bridge and walk my bike for a while, yeah. which, you mm-hmm. know, that's fine. But, I, you know. But should you have to? No, Aaron. No, I should not have to. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I am mean, I shouldn't have had to have. Uh, the Because the roads, the cars, it was clear for cars, yep. right? They were fine. If I had yeah. taken the lane, I would have been fine. And that's what was frustrating because it wasn't just for me on my bike. It was also where people would have been walking. And I think that's what was really frustrating. It was, mm-hmm. you know, also difficult for people yeah. on foot. Yeah, definitely. Every time, like, the ice storm, and we, we got a day and a half of ice storm. We got really lucky this winter. Yeah. Uh, cross his fingers over. thus far. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, only, that's the second part of my statement. It's early January. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to your bike seats, folks. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, com- in comparison to to last year, it's it's been pretty smooth sailing so far. So far, yes. Um, I don't yeah. know. I was I was in um I was near the equator last winter. <laughs> <laughs> you had I, you had a real smooth sailing. I was I had my vitamin D all winter long. <laughs> I I guess what I would say about this article is sometimes it's nice to have a reality check. You don't have to necessarily agree with that, but it's good to have perspective. Sure. I mean, you don't have to like the tone. Mm-hmm. You know, but you may have to accept the the truth. It may be a bitter pill pill to swallow, but you know, I think it might be a pill that we need to swallow, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Our... he wasn't wrong. <laughs> right, right. Our next article comes from OutsideOnline.com. dot com, like uh, and this yeah. this one, folks may have remembered. If one. this sounds familiar, this was actually published um, just a, almost two years ago. But but Baird bringing back up within the podcast, <laughs> yes. As Brock is kind enough to send us some pretty fun articles, quote, or, or the title of the article is The Real Life Superhero Who Beats the Cops to Bike Thieves. Yes, this was about um, a person who they've called Bike Batman. Mm-hmm. In Seattle. <laughs> In Seattle. And he, he essentially... It's um, Anna. Has made... It's Anna. <laughs> I know. We, we've got our own Bike I Batman. Think, I think, yeah. Or Batwoman. Batwoman. Excuse me. Yes, I, I think... I think uh, the hero this, is, we need. this is sort of this is sort of the the predecessor to to Anna's future here, and uh, it's it's a guy who essentially has been combing uh, bike ads on various um, resale uh, online resale uh, sites, and just essentially calling out thieves mm-hmm. when when they are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it started. The article was pretty cool. It started when he was just buying a bike for himself, and he was growing more and more suspicious of of this particular bike he had his eye on. Um, and turns out, yep, it really was stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he went ahead and and met with the people selling it. Yeah, because he had actually networked with the the person who had had it stolen from Correct. them, yeah. and so sort of decided to go through with the buy anyhow. Yeah, just to get the bike back to this person. <laughs> And uh, so in this article, he's relating the story and he says, and I said, well, guys, I'm sorry to tell you this, but this is my girlfriend's bike. He made up this story and it's stolen. And I just talked to the police and the way I see it, you've got two options. You can wait here for the police and come tell them your story and how you came upon the bike, or you can get out of here and just let me throw the bike in my truck. One guy immediately ran away as soon as I said police, and he was out of there. Mm-hmm. And this led to a series. I'm I'm, I'm not sure if he's still going. Um, but yeah, a series but of recoveries. A few, yeah, there was oh, a yeah. few recovery stories uh, out of that, and I, I I find it really fascinating and and almost like I kind of want to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my so girlfriend already does that. So. We we don't have it in our in our news or in our news for um, the week. But uh, unfortunately, earlier this week, I believe in Texas, somebody recovering a camera was shot and killed Holy inside shit. a residence, uh, a, oh, a stolen man. camera. I should mention. Uh-huh. So before you go and become bike vigilantes, you may have heard it from us. But consider the totality of, sure. of uh, yes. results which can can come from such an endeavor. Don't try this at home. That, that's why they call it Bike Batman. It's it's a superhero's <laughs> job, and sometimes it has superhero sure. consequences. Do, I I worry a little bit about the about your cape getting caught in your chain, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that as could the be Incredibles a... have taught us, no capes, <laughs> no, no capes, capes. <laughs> no capes. Yes. Um, well, that was our headlines. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the um. The new Incredibles? No. Oh. <laughs> no, the one? bike snob. The bike snob one about oh, yeah, 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 from yeah. a few days ago. Maybe no, you'll do that, that for next week. Um so he wrote so there was a lot of chatter last week about how how um I can't remember the name of the person who was just going off on Twitter about oh. how unsafe <laughs> biking is biking with your children you are an asshole (laughs) (laughs) you're familiar with this oh i I followed her closely like somehow i missed this i I didn't actually like follow her like follow her twitter account but i just would like to rage follow to angry follow i just would like yeah occasionally like go what is I'm not going to say her name. What is this person doing today oh look at that she's still railing against people on bikes I will say a little bit to her credit, people may have unfairly dogpiled on her. As tends to happen. As, as, as tends to happen on Twitter. It is the internet. Twitter. It is Twitter. <laughs> those those pitchforks are never I far. Got, I got a little bit of. I got a little bit of like Schadenfreude from it. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, and then and then. Uh, yeah, and then there was just a great response from the bike snob about. Oh uh, really? I didn't yeah. Read his oh response. no, no, it was delightful about basically comparing sort of. I mean, I think the thrust of of his piece was that one of the things about car culture is how much it's messed up our ideas about safety, right? Because if you actually look at the data, right, the evidence about what happens when you... That's usually Drive. when you get muted by yes. this person. <laughs> right. So right. Well, actually, so many other yeah. children get, get well, hurt it's, and it's injured the whole, in cars. Well, actually thing. Mm. That, well, you know, a, but, right. Data? We don't want no yeah, data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, riding your bike with your kids is... That's dangerous. Awesome. And if you do it, you're an asshole. No, Aaron. Shh, no. no, wrong. That's <laughs> wait, wrong. Wait, wait. No, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. You're a bad parent. Yes, that's what it says. Like, in, and like, if you're a mother doing that, you must be off the rails. You're right? a worse parent. Yes. yes. Do, uh, this is this is a little off the subject, but now that I've thought of this, do, do your kids ride? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like a few it. years ago, a few years ago, Mother's Day. I love that. Like, uh. right. <laughs> a few years ago on Mother's Day, they were like, because every year on Mother's Day, we, um, you know, we go out for Brent. It, it's the one. It's, the, and, you know, your my kids got to an age where they were like, stop taking my pictures, stop posting sure. on Facebook. Mom's Even, not cool anymore. Right. No, I'm not sure I was ever cool, but um, <laughs> they tolerated me for a while. And my kids are. I mean, right. We all think our kids are beautiful. My kids are beautiful, right? <laughs> and Mother's Day, so one time of year, they will sit down with me usually and be willing to be photographed with me. But mm. a few years ago on Mother's Day, they were like, we're not going to have to ride our 
bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Are we, Mom? And I was like, oh. oh I guess and the, not. the year before, I had made them ride all of like three miles <laughs> someplace for brunch. <laughs> So I I can only hope they'll come back to it. Sure. <laughs> but something that I mean, interests me is, the, you know, we tend to rebel against our parents, right? For whatever reasons, usually not necessarily yeah. good ones, but you know, and and I'm around like so many like bikey parents, I often wonder like are your kids going to rebel by like mm-hmm. driving cars? Are yeah. Gonna, well, you know, and I I sort of had this idea that Maybe because I have sons, they'll rebel slightly less against me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Not know. Not so much, though. Not so much, though. But, yeah. you know, my kids are, so my older son's 15, my younger one's 12, he's starting 13 in uh, a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, I mean, they're not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. They're teens. Yeah, I have two teenage boys. There's yeah. a lot going on in their life that has sure. nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> well... On that, we may not have. <laughs> let me try to think of a, a segue. Yeah, go for it, Aaron. What is yeah, the segue? Yeah. How are you going to do this? We may not have teenagers who don't like to ride bikes. There we go. But, but what, what we, we do, do have. have. <laughs> we got mail. Hey, we got mail. <laughs> this mail from Josh G. Um, in regards to episode three nine or three ninety two. How about Minneapolis? Yes, and, and he brings us. A, a video about the South Side Battle Train. And I just want to give a shout out to Josh G because I totally found this film while I was um, looking at films with film by bike. So we, we should link it. Um, it's a, it's, it's a absolutely amazing device. The, South, the Minneapolis South Side Battle Train is Whoa. this train of human powered vehicles um, that coincides with the city's May Day Parade, I believe, mm-hmm. um, since 2008. And, uh, man, some of the vehicles that they've made mm-hmm. were just crazy amazing. Take, uh, take... Team Grilled by Bike, you've the gauntlet's been thrown, man. I don't even know <laughs> if they're, like, competing against each well, other. No, it's, like, a whole so different much, tier. You, you, true, yeah. Like, we'll, we, we'll put this in the show notes. If, if you've not seen the Southside Battle Train, um, take take whatever you're imagining right now and just like turn it to eleven. It is <laughs> it is some some a a master class in uh bike <gasps> Frankensteinism. Oh my goodness! I'm looking at some of those photos. That is astounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I don't even know what I'm looking at. But that I'm... one they call the pedal cloud. Ooh. Um, wow. This, this is, is a Minneapolis. This is a a human powered caged in skate ramp. Whoa. What? I don't even know all those words together. That's so complicated and confusing (laughs) and delightful. That's a human-powered Ferris wheel. Like, what? That's actually just people actually turn the Ferris wheel, but it's like so well-built that it just keeps spinning. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. We won't tell OSHA. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, A schooner crane. And there it is. What is this website the again? The Piste de Resistance. The Grill Dozer. <laughs> These are excellent names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kitchen Grill Trailer. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Isn't sorry. this amazing? Sorry, no, no, I jumped right. in ahead of you. It was just too exciting. <laughs> but yeah. It's so cool. Y- you watched the video? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I saw that one um, uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's really fun. It's like a slow motion... Um, 
composition re- regarding sort of like the overall parade like if you if you were to picture a, a, a parade covered in slow motion but with slow motion bikes that are doing amazing things yeah um it, it just captures like, i can't picture that it, <laughs> it, 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 it just really captures i think like the spirit and the 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 passion that these people are putting into these contraptions and yeah it's it's a really swell video um next up we got from omar raul pineda and he says feliz navidad amigos greetings from bogota colombia Hello, Omar. All I have to say is, holy shit, we got a listener in Bogota. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. How cool. Well, greetings from Portland. Hola. Uh, Yeah. Como estas? That's about (laughs) as much Spanish as I've got a little more, but I won't say it. (laughs) I feel like like we should send Omar a patch. (gasps) Yeah. Get back with us. Uh, Email us at thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com with your address. I'll send you a patch for being our listener in bogota oh yeah. yeah there might i mean do you think there's like a listener <laughs> i i would hope that there's more but oh, yeah. i only know of at least one or I one is only excellent. know of this one Here. yeah thank you omar yeah really appreciate you writing in and eric wise says happy new year sprocketeers thank you eric thanks eric um, thank you i've been posting all these pictures on our on our uh podcast instagram account of like things I've been doing mm. um, during vacation, like got on my fat bike and did figure eights in the parking lot. Your fat bike is so <laughs> It is so loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I, I'm guessing that this is sort of some of the responses that mm. are coming from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ethan Georgie asked if he could use Eric Iverson's song as a ringtone, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, EJ said he wanted that as a ringtone. I'm working on it, but I'm wondering if Eric is okay with that. And Eric responds, ha, ha, ha. Oh, man, you played that. I'm a bit behind on episodes. That's okay, Eric. We still love you. Um, of course, anyone could use it as a ringtone if they're willing to subject that to the people around them. I'm going to I'm gonna wager yes. We should absolutely subject everybody to the thrill of riding a swing bike. Because and you know... In case you didn't hear it the first <laughs> time. <laughs> nice. I think those I want those last five seconds <laughs> especially as a ringtone. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> yes. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a delight. <laughs> and I think that's how we ended the last episode. Indeed. And that's how we'll end this episode. <laughs> I think we're ending it with our giggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Joan, thank you for coming in. <laughs> thank you for being our first guest of the year. Yeah, you know, invite me back anytime. Obviously, yeah. I have plenty to we say. Will, we will definitely do that. Okay. I feel like we've really started off 2018 on a wonderful foot. Yes. 2018 is going to be fantastic. You heard it here, folks. That's right. <laughs> Calling it. <laughs> 
All right, you ready for this? Let's do it. <laughs> The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weitz, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Zoe Campania, Dave Nose, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon. John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division. Josh Zissen, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's right there next to me. Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David. Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rossin, Rory in Michigan. Michael Florney, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugel. Ed Whitman, EJ Finneran, Paul Colbertson. If that's your real name. It's not. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Derek Wagner, Jason Offenberg, Microcosm Publishing. Who just came out with a pre-release of a cool new book. Oh, yeah. David Moore, Dennis O'Brien, Todd Grosbeck. Derek Wagner, Jason (laughs) Offenberg, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Barron. (laughs) And in addition to Chris Barron, Sean Baird, Simon Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel. Simon Gregory Braithwaite, thank you. (laughs) Dude Luna. (laughs) We're out of practice, folks. And all of our donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed.